back when I was in Montana journalism school. Jackson Wagner and I were working for the Kaiman. And we were talking about what we were going to do for that year. And we were like, we should have a soccer podcast and a soccer column every week. And we never got around to it. We're getting around to it now. There's nobody I'd rather have in the studio than my good friend Jackson Wagner for the first edition of the footy podcast on ESPN 102.9. This is a cool project, I think. We're going to be bringing you some soccer talk bi-weekly on Nuanez Now, 4 to 6 p.m. every day on 102.9. We're going to try to have a podcast. I'm going to try to get a lot of people in here talking Grizz soccer, talking European soccer, MLS, U.S. national team, local high schools, but I'd like to welcome in Jackson Wagner. Jackson and I went to journalism school together. We were on the Kaiman together. Uh, a really good friend of mine, Jackson, thank you for being here. Andrew, thank you for having me. Yeah, this this feels like a big deal. It's been a while. We, uh, we've we talked about this going back now probably, what, four or five years almost. Oh, a long, long time because we were in the Kaiman newsroom and we were just talking about <laughs> soccer between us and nobody else on the sports staff had anything to do with it. Nobody else on the rest of the staff had anything to do with it. So we were chatting back and forth. Never got off the ground when we were at the Cayman. Um, but yeah, Jackson now... Jackson, what are you doing? Because you worked for the University of Montana Athletic Department for a while. Jackson's a, a local guy, Anaconda guy, University of Montana guy. What are you doing now? Yeah, I, I've bounced around the uh, the athletic scene a lot. I, I worked for the U when I was in college along with at the Cayman. Uh Went to Portland State for a year, another big sky school, worked there in their athletics department, now uh, out of the kind of athletics game, just working at Sun Mountain Sports, but glad to be doing this, still obviously following every single sport. I'm uh, I'm helping as well, getting back into it now that I moved back and and broadcasting Grizz Soccer for ESPN Plus, so that's a, that's a fun new addition for them and for the big sky as well. I'm sure you guys have talked about that quite extensively. Um, but yeah, that's kind of. I'll help out with some stats this year with football. I think volleyball and uh, and just do whatever uh, whatever they ask. I mean, I'm not a, not really a real job title, but uh, whatever they ask me to do, I'd say sure if it gets me into a Grizz Athletics. So, hey man, that's that's awesome. That's cool. So are you are you calling the games for Grizz Soccer? Yes. Yeah. The voice of Grizz Soccer. The voice here. of Grizz Soccer. Probably should have led with that. So that's why I wanted to have Jackson in here to talk a little bit of Grizz soccer because he's seen them. We're early in the season here yep. uh, in late August. This is a team who's in a really interesting spot right now because they're Big Sky champions. Wow. They played a really close game in the first round of the NCAA tournament last year. One of the one of the best seasons, I think, probably in Montana soccer history in the, in the Big Sky recently. Yep. And now they're they're coming back and they've lost some talent and they're sort of, you know, this is for Coach Chris Chitovitsky, this is sort of, you know, the first year where gonna have to rely on some of his own recruits. Yeah. Um gonna have to sort of reshape the team a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they always say it takes, you know, three to four years before you get your own players into the system. Uh Coach Chitovitsky's done a fantastic job he's got four big sky titles between regular season and conference postseason championships and that's in what three years three years yeah Yeah. so two two uh two ncaa tournament appearances two regular season titles 
now uh, we'll see what they can do. They're missing a lot of big pieces from last year. Uh, Claire Howard, kind of the number one there, the goalie who was the Big Sky leader all time in shutouts. That's a that's kind of a big thing to lose. She had started every single game, played every single minute over the last, I believe, four years. So nobody on the current roster that's a goalkeeper has any minutes of college experience coming into this year. So that'll be a, a very big question mark. So the the Grizz right now, they've played four games, right? Two exhibition, two regular season. Yep. Smashed Rocky Mountain <laughs> College and Carroll yep. was the other one in exhibition games where the combined score was like 17 to nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was an interesting. They broke it up into three 30-minute periods and kind of gave every single person on the roster a run at a 30-minute uh, time slot and, yeah, kind of ran it up on some of the other Montana schools. And then went into the regular season and lost 2-1 to Creighton in Omaha, which yep. is a good program, and then came back to Missoula, lost one nothing to Portland, and yep. that's where they're sitting right now. So, Jackson, I mean, I have not seen the Grizz soccer team yet which is just an unconscionable <laughs> blemish sort of on my resume. I really want to go see them because I'm so intrigued by this team. Yeah. But Jackson has seen two of those games, and I, I just wanted to check what your initial impressions were, right? Yeah. Yeah, they, I, they look like a very solid team. The back line between them, I think, has over 130, 140 starts. Taylor Hansen is going to go down as the most capped player. If he, I, I don't know if you say most capped in college, I guess, or if that's just a – pro thing but she's gonna end with over 80 appearances in her college career incredible she came back for the fifth year uh with the covid kind of waiver that you have as a as a college athlete these days so she is dynamic up the up the wing and playing at the defensive like outside back position but they really are going to struggle i think to score goals which is going to be the question mark for them they lost alexa coyle who was ninth in program history in scoring but I think third since 2000. So one of the best goal scorers they've had in the last, you know, couple decades. Losing her up front has really seemed like the the biggest problem they've had so far. Just getting goals. They got into a lot of good spots against Portland last Sunday and just weren't able to capitalize. So and and here's a good note on Alexa Coyle, Brock Coyle's sister, yep. legendary Grizz linebacker, NFL player, Brock Coyle's sister, and she is now playing professionally in Scotland. Uh, for Hibernians, and I yeah. think she scored her first yeah. goal recently. So that's that's super cool, but it does leave the Grizz with such a big hole that she decided not to come back, right, with the yep. COVID year, decided to turn professional. Soccer is, is so interesting because I think the Grizz this year are going to sort of demonstrate either the truth or the fallacy of one of soccer's great axioms, which is that you control games through the middle of the pitch, yeah. but you win games at either ends of the pitch, right? And yep. they have they have a great midfield, great defense. They don't have a goalkeeper like you mentioned. They might not have a striker. They might not have that goal scorer. Yeah, yeah, that was really – after the game, Coach Chudovitsky said, you know, soccer is about these moments, right? You, you can get yourself into the right spot ten times over the course of a game, but if you don't capitalize on it, then it doesn't really matter, which is what we saw – on Sunday against Portland, they just kept getting into good spots, making deep runs, getting the ball into the box, but nobody was there to capitalize on it. And I think it'll, I think they have a lot of potential, and I think things will start coming into place. A young freshman, Ava Samuelson, came in and absolutely changed the game on Sunday. She's got speed. Coach Chudovitsky said she's the best crosser that he's seen in a long time, and that, you know, 
she's going to get the ball into the dangerous areas. And there's a couple players, I think, that are going to step up and and hopefully uh, help him capitalize on some of those dangerous balls. Yeah, I mean, who do you think is is sort of the front runners to take over that that striker spot this year? The yeah. players to watch. Yeah, Taylor Stoger had I think five goals, four assists last year. So she has done it before. She has not scored in either of the two regular season games. It was actually a sophomore from Montana, Josie Windauer, that had the the lone goal of the season so far. But it's a uh, I think Stoger is going to be the one to watch. Jaden Griggs as well those two have started both games up front and kind of played together for 30 to 40 minutes it seems they get in a half and then they'll uh, they'll get out at the very end but I think those two are going to be the ones that are going to have to kind of step up because the midfield you know they they play a lot from the outside so Hanson and Samuelson are, are both wingbacks but they're pushing hard up the field so two of their midfielders, they control the midfield, but they're they're not really looking to score. So I think it's going to have to be one of those two up front, Stoger or uh, or Griggs. Yeah, and, and Taylor Stoger is no stranger to big moments either because she scored the goal in the Big yeah. Sky Tournament final against Northern Colorado, right? If I'm yep. remembering correctly from the spring. Yep. Yeah, the MVP of the of the conference tournament last year. Yeah, I mean that's the kind of player you expect to to be able to step up and sort of take control of those moments as a striker. So we'll see how that plays out. I think that's a big question. Do you think they're playing any differently, you know, early in the season than, than Chitovitsky has preferred in the past? I mean, describe a little bit of, you know, how they're trying to play to me. Yeah, I think he's kind of talked about, you know, with Alexa, you could get her the ball up front and then she could just make something happen. Sure. Stoger and Griggs, maybe not necessarily that same type of player. So it it has been and he's got the pieces for it really trying to get crosses into the box and combo play up front with the you know outside back that turn into wingers up the up the wide sides in Samuelson and uh and Hansen so really combining keeping it more you know spread out between the whole team and it's not let's just try to get Alexa the ball in or near the box as much as we can because if we get it to her 10 times she's going to score twice in a game so we'll see how how they continue to play out um cuz one goal through two games. It's against two good teams. I mean, Creighton is towards the top of the Big East, and Portland's a two-time national champion that's made, I think, 16 quarterfinal appearances. Oh, wow. So it's not like these were uh, these were games that you went into thinking, yeah, we're going to leave 2-0, but going 0-2 with just one one goal scored, maybe a slight question mark. Yeah, that's interesting. We'll, we'll see how it plays out because... I mean, having a great striker just papers over so many issues. Like, it's yeah. sort of like a cheat code for a yeah. coach, right? Like you said, you just get her the ball, she'll make something happen. Now, you know, it's sort of the, the hardest part of the game to coach up, in my opinion, is like, you can do everything, you can draw it up perfectly to get the ball into the final third, mm-hmm. and from there, there's just not, you know... There's not so much that you can do to say, now you go here, you go here, this pass goes here... And we score. It's just so much more difficult. Yep. Yeah, and they were kind of on the reverse end of it with Portland's goal. It was almost, it reminded me of some of Alexa's old goals. They hadn't been able to get much going inside the box. The Grizzly defense out, and all of a sudden, Ned Yasuan gets the ball outside of the 18, off a throw-in, and then just quick turn shoot. It's in the back of the net. The Elizabeth Todd was the goalkeeper, and she... I mean, I don't think there's many goalkeepers in the country that would have saved the shot because it just was a moment of brilliance. Again, you talk about the moments in each game and taking advantage of them. Portland did, and uh, and yeah, that was that was a tough p- 
pill to swallow for Montana. That's a good segue into the last couple of things I want to talk about as we wrap up sort of talking about the Grizz here. Yeah. Questions about the goalie, and they've played a couple goalies even in the regular season games. Where do you see that going? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see when that stops. You'd have to think eventually he's going to he's going to decide on one. And you would have to, I yeah. think, yeah. But right now, through two games, he's played. Elizabeth Todd started the first game, played 45 minutes. Camelia Zhu came in for her at halftime, and then she played the rest of the 45. They lost in overtime against Creighton, but Todd had a clean sheet through 45, gives up a second-half goal, gives up the overtime goal that, that proves to be the winner, and then he flipped it when they came back for the match against Portland. Zoo started, Todd came in in the second half, and then she gave up the goal. So right now, I don't think either one has really claimed the spot. Both have made some good plays, and Zoo especially had a couple of decisions where she came away from her line and, and made an aggressive play on the ball that paid off well in the first half so I don't know if he'll uh, he'll keep it rolling for maybe one more week through non-conference games but you'd have to think by conference time comes there's going to be a number one goalkeeper right you might as well keep experimenting with it in yeah. the non-conference because you know I, I talked with Chris Chudovitsky you know once this summer when when we, we had media day over there at the field for one of their their practices and he said yeah, we know what the games that matter are, and that's when we start playing conference games. So you might as well just keep playing two of them through the non-conference, yeah. see how that pans out. It'll be interesting to me to see, you know, because they'll have to change their style of play regardless of who ends up being the goalkeeper just because they are not Claire Howard. Yeah. And Claire Howard was, you know, you can argue whether she was the greatest goalkeeper in Big Sky history. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear that she was probably the greatest shot stopper, like pure yeah. reflexes, not taking any of the other aspects of playing goalkeeper into account. Just the best pure shot stopper in Big Sky history. Yeah. So now you don't have that player back there, no matter who wins the job. And yeah. does that change how you play defense? Does that give you less margin for error, right? Do you now need... Your goalkeeper, who maybe doesn't have those shot-stopping abilities, to be better with their feet, be better playing out of the back to make up for that a little bit, to allow you to tweak your, your defensive system a little bit. So I think that'll be interesting. Anybody else who who's caught your eye, I mean, anywhere on the pitch through these first couple of games? Yeah, I think one thing that has been huge for him is getting Caitlin Rogers back. She was the, uh, the co-defensive MVP in the Big Sky two years ago and then ended up with a broken ankle, missed the, the 2020 season. But came into this year kind of feeling fully confident. The the ankle's better. It's been a longer rest than kind of you thought. You know, she it happened in the fall of 2019, and so she was close in the spring. I think she played 30 minutes in the spring, but wasn't feeling confident on it. Now is back and making starts. She went the the entire way against Creighton and looked awesome in the in the central defense there. So that's especially with no goalkeeper behind to get her back. Her now forty plus career starts. That's a that's a bit of a rock in the backfield for you. Sure, and a player like that can take over some of the you know communication, yep. sort of marshalling the back line from someone like Claire Howard, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Assistant coach Jay Landon, who is kind of in charge of the keepers, has talked about that a lot. That it's not you know Claire Howard was an outstanding player, but it's not just her success. It's the you know the five back line plus her that kind of share the defensive glory. So. The more that those other four can help the new keeper this year, I think the better they're going to be. And they've looked, I mean, they've looked solid. So that's that's a good sign for whoever does win the starting job. 
This is Soccer in Snow and Smoke, the new soccer podcast from ESPN Missoula. I'm Andrew Houghton, and on Soccer in Snow and Smoke, I'll bring you everything you need to know about the beautiful game, from the Montana Grizzlies and local high school programs to the Premier League. Listen to the Footy 15 segment twice a month on Nuanez Now, 4 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday on 102.9 ESPN Missoula, and find the full show online on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Talking here with Jackson Wagner, one of my good friends from journalism school at the University of Montana, a guy who I've talked a lot of soccer with over the years. Jackson, let's move on from from the Grizz here. Talk about an exciting summer (laughs) in, in a sport. You know, soccer had it all this summer. We had the Euros. Yeah. We had... You know, the U.S. men's national team yeah. in a couple of international tournaments. We had the Olympics. We had the transfer season. Yeah. It's been packed. <laughs> and that transfer season included maybe one of the biggest moves ever. Yeah, I I think it's got to be, right? You know we had to talk about this. Lionel Messi announced not that long ago. A couple weeks yeah. now. We're talking in late August. Yeah. Leaving Barcelona, where he spent his entire career, going to Paris Saint-Germain and France. Yeah. Just seismic, seismic transfer here. What was your first reaction when, I guess the moment that it sunk in for me was when Barcelona announced that Lionel Messi was leaving on, on Twitter. But when did it sink in for you? Yeah, I think until he cried at the press conference, I still didn't know. I mean, this was, it's kind of been up in the air for a while. Barcelona, it seems like has been mismanaged a little bit. And they didn't More know than if, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't know if they were going to have the budget, but it seemed like they were going to make it work. I mean, this guy has been there since he was a kid and he's spent his entire pro career, which is maybe the best career of all time at this one club for him to leave is, I don't know. It's just wild that they allowed it to happen. There are so many factors that make this an impossible story to believe. Starting with, yeah, I mean, Barcelona brought Lionel Messi, who was a child prodigy, over from Argentina. There was a great story, story on ESPN Soccer Vertical recently about how His father and Barcelona's academy director sort of hammered out the details of his signing on a napkin. They brought him over. They paid for his HGH therapy because he was tiny. Yeah. When he was a kid, I mean, he's still tiny now, but he was legitimately would not have been able to play pro soccer without that probably. He came up at Barcelona taking over from sort of the golden generation of Ronaldinho and Samuel Eto'o and turned into the greatest player in the world. And I think maybe, you know, people can argue Messi versus Ronaldo. I would argue Ronaldo for the record. but Would you? Okay, well, so that that just completely defeats the point I was going to make because (laughs) I was going to say that most sane people would say Lionel Messi (laughs) is the GOAT. But I guess Jackson disagrees. But anyway, turned into one of the greatest players of all time, won everything there was to win with him, became more than a player, more than an icon, more than a legend, I would say. Like something, another plane above all of those words that we use to describe great players. And then announced that he was leaving because they didn't have their finances in order. And I thought that everything... 
You know, I thought yeah. that no matter what else happened to Barcelona this summer, they could lose everybody else, you know, take out however many loans. I thought that they would do all of that in the service of keeping Lionel Messi. Yeah. And then uh, they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of wild. I'm trying to think. I mean, you kind of mentioned it. He is, I would say, probably has definitely the upper hand in the the greatest of all time debate. But even somebody like Ronaldo, he's bounced around. You know, he was in Portugal. He was at Man United. He was at Madrid. Now he's at, you know, it's not quite the same as as Messi at Barcelona. And when you you say all these, all the superlatives you can put on it, I don't think any of them. Is there anybody in American sports? I'm trying to think of somebody that's close to just the level that he was at, particularly with Barcelona, too. Jeter comes to mind. That's who I was going to say, but nobody even, would argue that Derek Jeter is yeah. the greatest of all time in his sport, yeah. right? Yeah, there's no Tim Duncan, but that's not even... I mean, and these are some of the best, most revered players of all time, and they're not even close to Messi's level. So it's like Jordan leaving the Bulls and yeah. going to play for my hometown Washington Wizards at the end of his career. The difference is that that was Jordan's decision, right? Here it just seems like Messi wanted to stay, Barcelona wanted to keep him, and they just weren't able to in the end. Um, The reasons for which are, are sort of complicated, but Barcelona had been mismanaged, grossly mismanaged for years. The COVID-19 pandemic sort of exacerbated all of that such that due to league rules, they weren't going to be able to register any new players without completely cutting their wage bill. Lionel Messi offered to take a pay cut. Still wasn't going to be enough. I mean, their finances are just ghastly. I don't know a lot about business. Looking <laughs> yeah. at how much how much debt that they had, it's, it's just, it's, I was able to tell that it's just awful, horrible. So that's what happened. Anyway, looking at this from the other side, now he's playing for Paris Saint-Germain, who one of the best teams in Europe, Yeah, plays in the French League, which has not been super competitive in recent years. They need it back, though. They didn't win last year. I think uh, they're going to they're gonna be set this year. Yeah. So, so <laughs> what do you think that fit is going to be like there? Because, you know, they had won like the last seven Ligue 1 titles in France until very surprisingly losing to Lilla last year. Yeah, with an American on their roster. Tim Weah. Tim Weah. Let's go. <laughs> uh, but they're still looking for the Champions League, and that's what they. That's why they made this move. Yeah. Yeah, I think undoubtedly this puts them at the top of world football right now. I, I Man City is going to have an argument about that, but I don't really see any teams outside of those two that – I mean, anything can happen, Bayern, obviously. I would Bayern, say, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But with the front line, especially if Kylian Mbappe stays at PSG, you could throw out Neymar, Messi, Mbappe. Well, they added Sergio Ramos this summer yeah. on a free. Uh, Don, Gianluigi Donnarumma in goal. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they had a big, big... I mean, they probably had three of the top five or six signings in the world, and they were all free. So their uh, their wages are still their budgets intact, and uh, they're probably going to make a lot of money by winning the Champions League this year. Yeah, and so this is why you know it breaks my heart to see Lionel Messi leave Barcelona for all the reasons that we talked about. I cannot wait to see this team play together, yeah. and especially that front line. Neymar, we've seen Neymar and Messi play together before at Barcelona. Yep, two of the best. Three, certainly five players in the world. 
Absolutely. Adding Kylian Mbappe, who's the best young player in the world, bar none, might be the most valuable player in the world right now. It appears as though he is going to stay at PSG for another season. Yeah. Although Real Madrid is currently trying to buy him for an astronomical <laughs> sum. That's an unbelievable amount of talent. And they're going in Ligue 1 against not great players yeah. every week. Like, I don't know how many goals they're going to score, right? It could You could easily see 30-plus goals from all three of those players. And the assist, I think the assist numbers particularly are going to be off the charts for Messi. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's going to be a fun team to watch. And yeah, I mean... The French League is probably, uh, it's not, not in the top three, would you say? So they're going to have a couple of games where you could see some you could see some touchdowns going up on the board. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, spread offense, running gun, <laughs> yeah. definitely. Um, last thing about this, this messy thing. I mean, why do you think, we talked about why it was shocking for the reasons that he left Barcelona. The other reason I think it was shocking is just because Soccer and the way that soccer media works and the way that soccer transfers work are so different to what we're accustomed to in American sports. You know, there aren't really woes bombs in soccer, right? There are not Adam Schefter just dropping a bomb on people's head. There are these long, drawn-out transfer sagas. I mean, we've got three still going on right now with the week left in the transfer window in the summer. Harry Kane, it seems like, is not going to move from Tottenham to Manchester City, but that was a months-long saga. Yeah, Mbappe possibly to Real Madrid is dominating the headlines right now. Um, Ronaldo still uh, is Ronald- maybe on the move. That's the other one. Ronaldo yeah. possibly now that uh, Man City has apparently missed out on Harry Kane. Is he possibly moving to Man City? These are things that are just debated about for weeks. Small little leaks coming out, like... Oh, now it seems he's leaning one way. Now he sees it seems they're leaning the other way. Yeah. Here's how far far apart they are on money. Just dominate these these stories are not news, but they will dominate headlines for weeks and weeks and weeks and sort of the take machine kicks into gear around them. And you just have these long sagas that are nothing like what we see usually in American sports. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like pre-draft where there's kind of rumors of, uh, you know, they have their eyes on this player, but they kind of like this guy instead. And who knows, they might trade this pick. And nothing ever seems to be concrete before the NBA draft or other drafts, too. But then it all kind of plays out. But, yeah, like you said, the Woj bombs are, it's all of a sudden something you haven't heard about. Boom, it's done. The deal's signed. Everything's good. In soccer, it's a, it's a rumor mill for sure. That's a really good comparison about the draft. But... The point that I was getting at is that the messy thing was sort of yeah. different. Yeah. Just, there was a lot of speculation going around, but I don't think it was really on anybody's radar that this was a thing that was actually going to happen until Barcelona just put it on Twitter, put it across all their social media channels. Lionel Messi is leaving, and that's why that's another reason just that the suddenness with which it happened yeah. was sort of something that you're not accustomed to in soccer, and that's another reason I think it was shocking. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was a there were rumors, but you never thought that those rumors could ever be true that Messi would leave. So, yeah. And to see that's that's like a video game thing when you see when you make the trade, when you trade, I guess there's not really a good example for it. But you just put somebody in a jersey that you'd never thought you'd see him wear. It's like a fake Photoshop, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I still didn't, you know, him being unveiled at the the Parc de Prince in Paris 
was yeah it's just surreal it's wearing a surreal the number 30 moment. too yeah unbelievable <laughs> so that's that's our takes on really one of the most insane sports transactions i've seen in a while jackson i'll get you out of here soonish but let's do some rapid fire on some other developments yeah around the soccer world u.s men's national team this summer how exciting and fun and encouraging was that incredible that's I think that uh, that's really my number one rooting interest in soccer is the U.S. men's national team. I'll wake up and watch other sports, but only, or other games, but only if there's a U.S. men's national team player. Okay, I'm a big Dortmund guy now. I'm a big Chelsea guy, but it is the most exciting generation of talent for the U.S. men's national team. I don't think there's any question about that. With now today, Brendan Aronson scoring a Champions League goal today to get them to the group stage. There's going to be 12 Americans playing in the Champions League. That was unheard of, you know, even four or five years ago. So it's a, it was an exciting summer. The Nations Cup, they beat Mexico in the final. And then in the Gold Cup, they beat Mexico in the final as well. That's a, that's like a Cat Grizz game for the local folks here in Montana. That's as US, big Mexico, as it gets. Yeah. And to beat them twice in a final in the same summer was absolutely exhilarating. Yeah, an American scored for... Bayern today too although that was in a 12 nothing win over a fifth tier German team in the German Cup still uh, counts Malik Tillman scored for Bayern in that one and multiple other Americans played for Bayern in that one which still is is crazy Chris Richards played yeah Taylor Booth played yeah the the U.S. team this summer so Nations League against Mexico was the the first team I mean yeah Christian Pulisic Gio Reyna Weston McKenney all those guys then we took the B team to the yeah. Gold Cup, right? Yep. And did the same thing and and rolled through and beat Mexico again. That's what's the most encouraging thing to me, just that depth. I mean, there were no carry no overlap between those two teams. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that I mean, obviously failing to qualify for the World Cup in 2018 still hurts. So, it's an unacceptable result for a team like the US men's national team. And I I think there was some concern coming into this qualifying session where they're going to have to play three games during every break. It's more than they usually do. Worried about depth. Can you play the guys the whole way? I think they answered every single question this summer. They, uh, yeah, that's more than they went 30 people deep through the men's national team player pool and uh, all of them stepped up to to lead them to two titles. So yeah, and still beat Mexico. So get some Mexico. Uh, (laughs) Who impressed you the most? Just, just real quick from, from the summer. Oh man, I think Weston McKenney for me is the guy that uh, so good. Yeah, is gonna dictate a lot of things. You know, Pulisic and Reyna up front are are dynamic, but McKenney just is so dominant on the ball and such a. You watch him play, and he's everywhere. He's he's got the high motor uh, that we like to talk about, and he just he makes plays happen and makes big time plays. He, I don't know, he he stood out to me as a guy that is going to be the future of this. I feel like he doesn't get the same credit that some of the others do, but he's just as good, if not better than them. Future U.S. captain for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, just the way he acts on the field, the leadership. I mean, that the Nations League final against Mexico was legitimately crazy. I mean, people were throwing things from the stands. Yeah. U.S. went down twice, right? Went down 1-0, went down 2-1. Battled back. Yeah, and and with a young team out there, the U.S. Yeah. too, not a lot of guys who had been in that position before because, you know, Michael Bradley's not there anymore. 
um, Josie Altador is not on that team. Guys yeah. who had played Mexico in big games before. Yeah, Weston McKenney just seemed like he was keeping a level head. He was keeping everybody on the same page, and he was making all the plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he was he was incredible. Uh, I think anybody from the B team, I think Kellen Acosta did very well. I think it was the defense. Miles Robinson at center back was oh, a guy yeah. that I did not have a lot of. Uh, that was kind of. I'm a big John Brooks fan, the Wall of Brooks, and I think a guy we talked about earlier, Chris Richards, playing at Bayern, is maybe the future of the center back position. But Miles Robinson showed in the uh, in the Gold Cup that he probably deserves. I would say to start alongside with Brooks. I would agree with you. I've got a gigantic Atlanta United flag hanging up in my bedroom. Oh, I've go. got. Yeah. The Atlanta guy. George Bello, is he uh, going to make the World Cup qualifying? Uh, interesting. I don't... No, I don't think so. I think yeah. he's... he's. I think Anthony Robinson's going to be the starting left back, and then yeah. it's between George Bello and Sam Vines for sort of that second spot. I would prefer George Bello stay with Atlanta because Atlanta is suddenly making a run for the playoffs now. We're going to lose Miles Robinson. We're probably going to lose Brad Gazan for World Cup qualifying yeah. and have them play those extra minutes, or Robinson will play those extra minutes. Yeah, I'd like to see George <laughs> Bello sort of stay stateside and you know rest up for the playoff run. Um, yeah, he's he's a good young player, and yeah, Miles Robinson, and he's still young too. He's like yeah. twenty three, super athletic. Great speed at the back. Scores the scores the winning goal in the Gold Cup final with the header. Yeah, it's a huge moment for me personally. <laughs> so encouraging. I forgot about the Atlanta connection. I'm happy for you. Yeah, yeah, we'll see because the the first half of the season, I don't want to talk too much MLS here because there's time for that. Yeah, later. Uh, first half of the season was rough for me as an Atlanta United fan. Seems like they're turning it around now. That would be great to see. Uh, last thing, just. Early early seasons for for European club soccer, most leagues are about two three games in. Yeah. We can bounce around a little bit, but let's start with the Premier League. Just what has what's caught your notice so far? I am very excited for Romelu Lukaku being back in the Premier League. Scored in his Chelsea debut. That's kind of a you know man. I'm I'm hoping somebody knocks Man City off of the top in the Premier League. So. For Chelsea to do it, Christian Pulisic scores. Pulisic scores in the uh, in the first game. Lukaku comes back now and kind of gives them that man up front. And I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be very good this year. So I'm excited for that. Annoyingly, a very fun team at Chelsea this year with yeah. Pulisic, with Romelu Lukaku, who's a guy who I like too. With guys like Kai Havertz. Yeah. We'll see if Timo Werner, you know, finds his finishing boots this year. <laughs> um. Yeah. Tragically, Chelsea yeah. looks like they'll be fun to root for this year. That's uh, they were they were my number one team to hate on until uh, until Christian went there. And now it's I gotta support them. But what's uh, what's been your biggest takeaway so far? Well, I guessed West Ham because they just smashed yeah my Leicester City Foxes four to one on the weekend. They're sitting in first place after two weeks. West Ham, yeah, six points. What they're plus five up? Oh yeah, they've been yeah. they've been destroying teams. Yeah. So that's interesting. Looking around Europe, I mean, do you see any sort of surprises happening? Because the Premier League has some parity. I think there's, you know, Chelsea is the legitimate contender this year. Uh, I think probably Liverpool will be back with, with Virgil van Dijk back. Yeah. At center back, they'll probably be good this year. We'll see about Man United. But, you know, there's three or four teams in the Premier League, you could say, who, who would win it. It's not the case in Germany. It's not the case in France. Yeah, I think Spain's going to be interesting this year, though, which is kind of, 
you know, normally it's Barcelona and Real Madrid. Now Atletico wins it last year, and they they might be the favorite to win it again this year. Now that Messi's gone, I don't know. What do you what do you think? Who's your team? Who's your team to beat in Spain? I'll be rooting for Atletico yeah. because I like the way they play. I like that. Simeone's one of the best managers in the, in the world of football. Diego Simeone is incredible the way yeah. that he has them playing, you know, full speed ahead all the time. I like that, you know, they they had to sell Antoine Griezmann to Barcelona a couple years ago, retooled, and, you know, that was their best player, and they retooled and won the league. They beat Barcelona three years after that, right? Yeah. So yeah, Suarez going from Barcelona there and having a great year when they said he was maybe too old to still compete. He goes and proves them wrong. So Completely jettisoned from Barcelona and, and came back to Atletico and won it. So, yeah, I'm rooting for them. I think Real Madrid is probably the favorite, though. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how Gareth Bale plays this year. If he plays Wales, Wales golf, then Madrid. Is that? I feel like that's been another long-running drama in the in the world of soccer is is Gareth Bale actually going to give his all for Real Madrid well there's Gareth Bale and Eden Hazard too is coming back and supposedly in shape for Real Madrid which Um, is the first time since he moved there well exactly yeah so Gareth Bale moves to Madrid and starts golfing every day Eden Hazard (laughs) moves to Madrid and starts eating you know every day like yeah. Not a great record with their transfers from the Premier League recently. Yeah. But both those guys are supposedly in shape. We'll see if they can get in form. Hazard had a great uh, flick assist for Karim Benzema for Real Madrid in their opener. That could be a fun team. I mean, I like Eden Hazard as a player. I like Benzema. Yeah, Luka Modric in the midfield is very, very fun to watch. He had an outstanding goal in Euro 2020 this year. Yeah, and we'll see if somebody like Vinicius Jr. can can yeah. live up to his potential. I mean, that kid's only like twenty still. It seems like he's been around for forever. So I think it would be it would be great to see a race between the two Madrid teams come down to the end there. Yeah, and don't count it. Barcelona's still hanging around too. Memphis. I'm a, I've always been a big Memphis fan. He's he can focus on his music career, but it seems like he's uh, matured a little bit up front. So yeah, I mean they have Memphis Depay, Antoine Griezmann. Usman Dembele, if he's ever healthy, like Ansu Fati, they're going to have to give Pedri a rest at some point after yeah. he, you know, 18-year-old kid played the entire season and then played the entire Euros. And then the entire Olympics, the yeah. 70-something-plus games. So give that kid a month off before you bring <laughs> yeah. him back in, but he's a great player. Uh, yeah, Spain should be really interesting this year, and Italy, I think, will be interesting too in Serie A. Yeah, yeah if Ronaldo plays or not, that'll be a benched in Game 1. That was obviously a big storyline yeah this storyline has sort of come bubbling up out of out of nowhere because people were focused on Messi, people were focused on the harry kane saga yeah now it's like oh there's a week left in the transfer window cristiano ronaldo might want to move and he might be moving back to the premier league to his uh to his rival his former rival right exactly because ronaldo came up at, at manchester united now maybe he's moving to city that would be again i would like to see it part of me would hate it part of me would really want to watch that team you know oh yeah so if that happens, we'll talk about it here on the Footy Podcast. Jackson Wagner, I'm Andrew Houghton. Jackson, thank you for coming in and, for and chatting with me. Yeah, this was awesome. Yeah, we'll yeah. we'll do it again sometime. I'm hoping to have a rotating selection of guests in here. So everybody, if you if you like this, tune into ESPN 102.9. Nuanez now. This will be a semi regular segment on there. Hoping to get it up as a podcast as well. Thank you for listening. <laughs>